Well, good morning, church. Uh, to answer Pastor James' question, we don't even have to debate it. We don't have to discuss it. Pastor James looks better this morning, people. He's got the buttoned-up shirt. It's a much crisper look. He looks great today, church. So you don't have to worry about it. If you don't want to vote on the Instagram poll, you don't have to. Pastor James wins, okay? It's just, it's settled. We're good to go. So... If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tyson, and I have the, I have the privilege of being one of the pastors on the team here at Callwood Church. And uh, last week, I was supposed to be closing out our series called The Character of God, and uh, my family and I were sick, and so Pastor Sean stepped in last minute, and he did an amazing job, didn't he? Yeah. Come on. He's a great... It's okay to celebrate our lead pastor. And so it's only fitting that this week, Pastor Sean returned the favor to me. And at the, he was supposed to be speaking this morning, but he was sick and gave me a text message late in the week. And so I think God's humor is sometimes ironic, isn't it? I mean, come on. I was out last week. He gets to tap in late in the week. This week, it's my turn. So it's only fair. Am I the only one who thinks God's humor is ironic? Okay. That's okay. Uh, so let me just say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for how you supported us uh, while we were sick. And if you'd be thinking and praying for the Chapman family uh, this week, that would be appreciated as well. Um, if you're new to our church or you haven't been with us for very long, uh, one of the things that we um, try to be as a people are our three core values of connect, grow, and serve. Those are kind of the core of who we are. And really what they in essence mean is connecting is all about connecting with God, connecting with other people in community. Growing is growing to look more like Jesus and reflect him more to this world. And serving is about doing what Jesus did, being people who live a life of service. And so over the start of this year so far, we've been looking at the character of God, really trying to connect with and understand who God is in his character. And we were looking at Exodus chapter 34, where we learned that God was a personal God and still is a personal God today. His name is Yahweh, and he has a personal name for, for us as a people. He is not a distant, faraway God. We learned that he's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he is forgiving and just. And so our hope is that that sermon series and that scripture would be something that if people ever ask you, what is God like, or if you're ever wondering, what is God like, that that would be kind of like a hyperlink that you can click on and go, oh, I remember Exodus this chapter 34, that is what God's character as revealed by him is in scripture. And so over the coming weeks, we are going to be focusing on our uh, second core value of grow. And we are going to be seeking to grow to look more like Jesus. And our goal in our discipleship to Jesus is quite clear. Jesus makes it clear in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. And he says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The end goal of our discipleship is not simply getting to heaven. The goal is to become people who love God and love others well. People who look like Jesus. Spending eternity with God is part of the story, but our goal and our destination is to be transformed into people who love God and love others more fully. So perfectly loving God and perfectly loving our neighbors. Is anybody there yet? <laughs> I am definitely not. <laughs> and that's why it's good news that our discipleship to Jesus is not just about a destination, but it is about a direction. 
We can take steps each and every day towards following Jesus, towards looking more like him, loving God more fully, and loving others. And we may not arrive at that perfect goal this side of eternity, but no matter where your journey starts, you can take steps towards that today. If we are following Jesus, I think deep down each one of us desires to look more like him. Even if you're not following Jesus in the room today and you're new to this whole Christianity thing, I believe that deep down there's something inside of you that is inspired by the life of Jesus. There's something that makes you curious and attracted to him. And as followers of him, we desire to look more like him, but there is often in our lives a gap between where we currently are and where we hope to be, isn't there? A gap between where we currently experience ourselves as fully loving God and loving others and a gap towards that goal of being as loving as Christ was. We recognize parts of our lives that are not there yet, parts of our discipleship that have not been fully transformed by Jesus yet. And at times we can feel like we are stuck in our discipleship journey. It can be easy to feel like we're in a spiritual rut. And here's the way one person put that feeling, and I think it's so perfect. I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. I just kept doing the same things over and over and over again. And that's why over the next eight weeks, we are hoping that we can grow in our discipleship to Jesus by looking at emotionally healthy spirituality. Our hope and our goal is that by the end of this time, we would be people who love God and love others a little bit more fully. EHS, or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, is a course and a resource that was designed out of a church in Queens, New York, by Pastor Pete Scazzaro over the last 25 years. And the goal of our coming weeks is to help us slow down and allow the Holy Spirit to point us to truth and healing. This is one tool of many that are out there, but it's a tool that our pastoral staff have found helpful in our own discipleship journeys, and that's why we want to share it with our church community over the coming weeks. So as we dive in today, in this first week of a series, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and then we'll pray. The first scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The second, we'll flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, and it says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And the final scripture we'll read for this morning is out of Hebrews chapter 5, and it says this, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray as we've read God's word today. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have in this series to take a look at your word, to take a look at our lives. And Lord, we hope and pray that throughout this series, you would use it to help us to grow to love you more. 
you would use it to help us to grow, to love others more, and that you would bring transformation into each of our stories so that we may reflect you more to this world, Jesus. That is our hope and our prayer for this, this whole sermon series. And so today, God, in, in this time that we have together, I pray that you would take my words, take this time that we have, use it to encourage, to sharpen, and to challenge us so that we may reflect you more to this world around us and love you more, Jesus. In your name we pray all these things, Lord. Amen. In uh, 2009, I had the privilege of going to the, the country of Nepal, and I was spending, I spent about three months there uh, volunteering with, with an organization. And on the weekends, we would often have some downtime where we would be able to get out and kind of go do some stuff. And one weekend in particular, we were looking for an adventure, something to kind of do that would be fun. And so we, we, we ended up landing on whitewater rafting. Has anyone been whitewater rafting before? I had not been whitewater rafting before this. And so we got all suited up, we got our helmets on, we got our, our life jackets on, we got our paddles handed to us, and my two buddies and I hopped into a raft with a guide. And so we, we, we go on this, these rapids, and they didn't tell us that these rapids were four plus rapids. Now, if you don't know what that means, I didn't know what that meant, that means you're in for a ride. There's going to be some big drops on the, ra on the rapids. It's going to be a pretty bumpy ride, and it was pretty intense. It was just the four of us in the boat, and so you had to be really on it. And we were having a great time going down the rapids. You're getting that adrenaline rush. When all of a sudden we're headed towards another set of rapids, and out of nowhere, our boat flips 180 degrees, and my buddy is thrown into me, and we start going down a set of rapids backwards. It was wild. I, again, I had not been whitewater rafting before, so I did not know what to expect. So we get to the bottom of this set of rapids. We're all freaking out on the boat. We're like, wow, what's going on? This is crazy. This is nuts. And we get to the bottom, and our guide flips us back around the right way. And it was terrifying, to say the least. All I can say is I am glad that I was covered in water, so I didn't have to worry what else I was covered with. <laughs> it was terrifying. It was freaky. What had happened was at the top of the rapids, there was this boulder beneath the surface of the water that our guide did not see. And our boat hit it and turned a full 180 degrees and sent us down the rapids backwards. It wasn't what was going on above the surface, but it was something that was unseen and beneath the surface that caused us problems that day. It was what was beneath the surface that changed the direction and the trajectory that our raft was heading. And I believe that that's often what happens beneath the surface of our lives that can change the direction that our lives are heading. The guiding metaphor for this whole series is the graphic that you can kind of see in the corner of the screen today. It's an iceberg. If any of you have seen the movie The Titanic or if you've heard the story of The Titanic, you know that when it comes to an iceberg, what is above the surface is not all that there is. Up to 90% of an iceberg can be below the surface. And this picture of an iceberg is a picture of our lives as disciples of Jesus. Going back to when we went whitewater rafting, everything looked good above the surface of the water, but a giant rock changed the trajectory and the direction of our raft. And the same can be true in our lives. What is under the surface actually can have a profound impact on the direction that our lives are heading. For us to be people who learn to love God and love others more fully, 
to use the language from the Ephesians text that we read today, we need to learn to put off our old selves and put on the new self that is alive in Christ. When we come to Jesus, we are given a new life, as Corinthians puts it, and we are a new creation in Jesus. The only problem is that this past life still wants to hang on to us and have a say in that new life that we are given. Our sinful nature is gone and we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are tempted each day to still go back to that former way of living instead of fully stepping into the freedom that Jesus has brought to us. God has set us free and desires for us to be made new, but there's a lot that we have to unpack and untangle from our lives to step into the freedom that God has saved us for. Past hurts and sinful patterns in our lives that are ingrained for years and years may still be guiding our behaviors and our lives today from beneath the surface. And so to step into an emotionally healthy spirituality, we need to take a look at the iceberg that is our, our lives and see what might be beneath the surface guiding and directing us. This week is kind of like putting on goggles and looking at what's going on beneath the surface, which if you've ever done it at a public pool, it can be disgusting. You see band-aids and other things floating around in the pool that you didn't know were there and it, was, it can sometimes be gross. But the hope is to not just see nasty things beneath the surface of our lives so that we are ashamed. The hope and the goal is that we can acknowledge what we find and allow Jesus to meet us there so that we can be healed and step into the freedom that is ours as new creations of Jesus. So today, as we're seeking to grow to look more like Jesus, to love God and others more fully, are you ready to put on some goggles? Anybody ready? Okay, that's good. More than the 9 a.m., you're more awake. It's good. You've had your coffee. Sometimes as we look beneath the surface, it can be helpful to have a guide to help us to know where to look. And this is where Pastor Pete, uh, in his Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, gives 10 markers of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And as we go through this list, my encouragement to you is to see if any of these resonate with you and your journey. So 10 markers of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. The first one is this, using God to run from God. Now, at first, that might sound kind of confusing. It's like, what are you talking about? How do you use God to run from God? Well, what this looks like practically is when I'm really busy with church activity and God activity in my life. I'm serving in multiple areas. But really, if I was being honest, it's in order to avoid spending time with God. It's in order to avoid slowing down to allow God to speak to me. What this may look like practically is you're serving in two or three or four areas in the church, but you're ignoring what your spouse or your friend has been encouraging you to change in. You're ignoring what God might be speaking to you because you are so busy doing work for God. Sometimes this can be about earning affirmation from people that you respect significant people in your life, mentors, pastors. You can be so focused on doing things that look good for other people that you can miss what's going on as an undercurrent. Sometimes this can be using biblical truths to judge and devalue other people. Sometimes this can look like saying things like, the Lord told me to do this, when in reality what you mean is, I think the Lord told me to do this. 
We can all use God to run from God in unhealthy ways that are not actually life-giving and cause us to justify sinful parts of our family, sinful parts of the culture that we are a part of, and even national things that are going on across our nation. That's the first marker. The second is ignoring anger, sadness, and fear. Growing up in the church, these three words kind of almost sometimes felt like they were swear words. <laughs> we don't talk about anger. We don't talk about sadness. We don't talk about what we're afraid of. For some of you today, you might look at these words and go, I'm just not gifted at feeling those things. <laughs> this is not about giftedness. It's about theology, friends. Jesus, when he walked this earth, felt these emotions. When Jesus went to the tomb of his friend Lazarus and saw how the death of Lazarus affected other people and how it affected him, the scripture teaches us that Jesus wept. When Jesus saw injustices happening around him in the culture, it says that he was angered to the point where at one point he goes into the temple and starts flipping tables. And Jesus, on his way to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, stops and says, Father, if there is a way to take this cup from me, do it because he knows what's before him. Ignoring anger, sadness, and fear is not what we are created and designed to do. They are emotions that can be markers that can point us to God and can actually speak to us about things that God wants to do in our lives. The third marker of emotionally healthy spirituality is dying to the wrong things. In scripture, we are called to die to some things. We are called to die to sin and shame. We are not called to continue living on in sinful patterns, not called to be weighed back, weighed down by shame. But sometimes we can take this a little bit too far and we can die to things that we were never called to die for, die to in scripture. Things like joy and beauty and music and friendships, things that are good and are created. And sometimes we can almost, without realizing it, believe that the more miserable I am, the more I love God. Have you ever been around someone who's just absolutely miserable, but they say that they love Jesus? <laughs> Don't poke your neighbor, okay? <laughs> the fourth mark is denying the past's impact on the present. This one is one that's challenging because oftentimes we don't want to talk about how our pasts are shaping our present and are shaping our future. We don't want to talk about how the abuse or the difficult past upbringing that we had is shaping the person that we are today and is continuing to shape the people that we will be in the future. And so instead, when we read these scriptures about the new creation, we just say, well, I'm a new creation in Jesus, but we miss how our anger or something from our past is still hindering us from being people of love today, right here, right now. And this is why we have to be willing as a part of being people who are going to allow God to explore the whole iceberg of our story and of our lives to look at these parts of our past and how they are actually impacting and changing the way that we love God and others today. The fifth marker is dividing secular and sacred compartments of our lives. What this looks like practically is Sunday morning, you are all in. You are loving singing these songs. You are taking notes during the sermon, but Monday through Saturday, your faith doesn't touch those days. Instead, that's the secular part of your life. That's the part of your life that you're going to hang on to. But on Sunday morning, you love Jesus. 
You're all in when it comes to faith. And we can all do this when it comes to our faith journey. Allow parts of our story to stay untouched instead of living with integrity, allowing God to be touching each part of our lives and all throughout being the same person here as you are when you go back to your job or back to your home tomorrow, and even for the rest of today. The sixth mark is doing for God instead of being with God. Have you noticed in our Western culture that being productive and getting things done are a high priority? Has anyone noticed that? If you haven't, just look at the newest BuzzFeed article about how you can hack and save time. How many articles, how many books, how many things are trying to get us to cause us to cram more into the 24 hours that we have each day and become more effective and become more productive? Now, don't get me wrong. Being productive and accomplishing things for God is not bad, but problems will arise when our work for God is not being nourished by being with God. Our work for God can end up being contaminated by our egos, our need for power, the need for approval from other people, and even at times aiming towards a picture of success that's not aligned with what God's picture of success is in that situation. In John chapter 15, 5, Jesus encourages us, abide in me, abide in the vine so that you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. We can get busy doing things for God, and it can be out of whack for our being with him where the good fruit and the health will actually end up coming. The seventh mark is spiritualizing away conflict. I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but you get into an argument with someone, and, and you, instead of actually acknowledging the pain or the difficulty of what's going on in that situation or how that person's hurt you, you just kind of spiritualize it away and say, well, God's still on the throne. God's still good. Instead of actually acknowledging the pain, instead of actually acknowledging how something impacted you, you use spiritual language to just dismiss what's going on in that situation. That is not how God intended and designed us to do. We are not called to keep a list of offenses, but we are also called to be real about when we're hurt. To not just use forgiveness and to use scriptures to not acknowledge what's going on in our stories. We need to do that to be healthy in our spirituality. The eighth mark is covering over brokenness, weakness, and failure. I don't know about any of you, but would anyone acknowledge that they're not very good at social media? I'm right there with you. One of my chief struggles with social media is that I have this conflicting thing inside of me where I want to present an image of myself that is better than the actual image I'm living out. Anybody else? I think there's this pressure to present a version of ourselves that is not broken, that is not flawed, that doesn't have any cracks. And we want to look good and show the highlight moments, show the trips that we're going on, show all the mountain peaks, but we don't want to share the valleys. And when it comes to our shortcomings, we can do this too. It can be a defensiveness when your boss or someone in authority in your life tries to bring correction in your life. And instead of acknowledging and owning what you did wrong in that situation, you bury it or you put it on somebody else. You make excuses for why it's not your fault. And this is where the good news of the gospel needs to meet us, friends. The good news of the gospel is that you are broken. You are weak. You have flaws and failures, but you are loved right there by God. 
No matter the depth of our brokenness, no matter the depth of our weakness, God still loves us there. That's good news, isn't it? So we don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to cover over when we make mistakes. We don't have to cover over our brokenness and our weakness because God loves us even in the depth of our brokenness and weakness. He wants to change us and transform us, yes, but we don't have to hide or pretend that we're somewhere that we're not because even in the depth of our brokenness and our failures, God loves us there. The ninth marker is living through limits. Has anybody ever bitten off more than they can chew? Your calendar looks absolutely packed. You've got no margin in your life at all so that when one more thing comes and hits you, everything seems to blow up. Night after night, you have things on the go and you just blow past the limits that God has given and placed in your life. You're wondering, how can I fit a 25th hour into this 24-hour day? And this is something that God has not designed us to do and never asked us to do. I got to give honor where honor's due. Pastor Sean actually this week in texting me late in the week just said I was reading through my sermon notes and I recognized that I was going to be trying to live past my limits because I was not healthy and I was not able to actually go speak on Sunday. Pastor Sean is not on a vacation right now. Let me make that clear. (laughs) He wants to be here today speaking and teaching and talking with his church family But he just recognized that if he did that, it would be pushing past a limit of where his body was health-wise right now. The tenth and final marker of emotionally unhealthy spirituality is that we judge other people's spiritual journey. Has there been any of this in our culture the last couple years? Churches being divided on how they respond to the pandemic. Churches being divided to how they respond on what the government's response is to the pandemic. There's division and infighting. People judging one another saying, how can you love Jesus and hold that position? It has been all around us and prevalent. And as a pastor over these last couple of years, I got to acknowledge, it feels like at times there's people on both sides yelling at you saying, this is the Christian thing to do. And if you don't agree with me, You're not a very good Christian. And to to this posture of judging other people in their spiritual journey, Jesus encourages us, if you are trying to pick a speck out of a brother or sister's eye, take the log out of your own first. Before we judge other people's journey, we better look in the mirror and recognize that our journey needs to be judged by ourselves first. It is not our place or our position to be judging other people's spiritual journeys. We allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. And when we are invited into people's stories, we can speak words of correction and words that point people to Jesus. But it's not our job to judge other people's journeys. It is our job to love other people and allow the Holy Spirit to bring the conviction of sin in their stories. Now, all 10 of these markers can be found beneath the surface of our lives and can be indicators of areas that still need to be transformed in our story so that we can love others and love God more fully. And so if you tuned out, if that list of 10 was way too long and you walk away with nothing else from this morning today, here's the bottom line for this morning. Emotional health and spiritual maturity cannot be separated. To put it in a a blunt way, We can't say that we love Jesus and go on being jerks. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. We need to be transformed so that we love God and love others more fully. 
Now, the pushback that I often get, I've gone through this material about seven or eight times now, and when I've taught on it or talked through it with people, the pushback that I often get, and most often it's from men, if I'm being honest, is I'm not interested in talking about them, their emotions. I don't know why he's a country voice, but he is, okay? <laughs> I'm not interested in talking about feelings or emotions. I don't want to talk about any of that kind of stuff, Pastor Tyson. The problem is that we are holistic people. We are created as social, intellectual, spiritual, physical, and emotional beings. And each part is important and interconnected. We don't just get to cut off one part of ourselves and ignore it when that's how God created us. When we ignore the emotional component of our lives, we can move through the motions of the Christian disciplines and activities and behaviors, but deeply rooted patterns in our lives from our past continue to hinder us. Like that rock beneath the surface, we don't see it, but it continues to hinder us and shape the direction that we are heading. We often neglect to reflect on what is going on inside of us and around us and are too busy to slow down to be with God. And as a result, we, we run the risk of remaining stuck as spiritual infants, failing to develop into spiritually and emotionally mature adults in Christ. To use the language from Hebrews earlier, we stay on milk when we should be on solid food. Or to put it in the language of that person that we quoted earlier, we are a 22-year-old Christian, but a one-year-old Christian 22 times instead of being a 22-year-old Christian. This is why examining the emotional components of our lives are so important. And if we fail to do this, it will have at least two effects on our lives. The first is that it will affect our freedom. About six years ago, I was hosting uh, a drop-in basketball at the last church that we worked at. And one night, I went up to get a rebound, and I came down on a guy's foot, and I sprained my ankle really severely. His foot was fine, but my ankle was mangled. It took about three months of physiotherapy and uh, working at it and icing it and resting it for it to get back to normal so I could actually go play basketball again. And it sucked. It really, really hurt. Now, I want you to imagine, as I told you, it took three months for that injury to heal, but I want you to imagine that two weeks into that injury, I come to you and I ask for prayer. I've been using uh, crutches around our church, and I, someone actually lent me an electric wheelchair, which was awesome. I could just zoom around the church with it. So I zoom up to you. I want you to imagine this. And I ask for a prayer for my ankle for healing. And in that moment, Jesus touches me and heals my ankle. And I can get out of the chair and I go, I've been set free. This is amazing. I can walk again. This is so awesome. Thank you so much for praying for me. And then I get back in the chair. And instead of walking out, I roll back out in that electric wheelchair. Wouldn't you be kind of confused? Wouldn't you be like, why are you in that electric wheelchair? I mean, maybe it's for fun. It was a lot of fun to use. But wouldn't that send a confusing message if I said to you that I was free and I was able to walk, but I didn't actually step into and live into walking in that freedom? Wouldn't that be kind of confusing? Well, this is what happens often when it comes to our freedom. We say that we've been set free from sin, but we don't recognize how we're not actually living into that freedom. And we see how we're just getting back into that chair instead of actually getting up and walking, and it's hindering us when we can't do things like walk up a stair or something like that in our lives. 
And we can get around most of the time perfectly fine, but there are things that we would be more free to do if we actually stepped into the freedom that we experienced. The second thing that it can affect is our witness, though. We are not the only ones who recognize this gap in our lives of being the people who say they want to look like Jesus but are not fully there yet. Here's how Gandhi put it. I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Ouch. But it's also a gap that if we're being really honest, we all recognize in ourselves. This is why looking beneath the surface and being deeply transformed matters. To go back to that sprained ankle illustration that I used just a minute ago, if I told you that I was free but got back into that chair and didn't live into that freedom, you would probably be right to wonder, is he actually free? Is he actually healed? And around us today, people are asking that question, does Jesus actually make a difference in that person's life? Because it looks like they're living in the exact same way that I am, struggling with anger the same way that I do dealing with their anxiety the same way that I do and the fear the same way that I do. People around us notice our lives, whether we like that or not. And if we don't deal with what's going on beneath the surface of our lives, it can affect our witness and the good news that we're trying to share with other people. Because they can ask and look at our lives and say, are they really free? Are they really healed? And if we have been set free from sin and death and given a new life, but live in ways that are not different, people will be confused and wonder, has Jesus actually made a difference in their journey? This is why taking a look at what's beneath the surface and digging into the emotional maturity of our lives is so important. It affects the freedom that we experience and it affects how others see our lives and the good news that we preach and share with them. Now, with all that said, I want to acknowledge sometimes it can be scary to look beneath the surface. You put on those goggles and you see, like I said, things floating under there that you didn't really want to see. That band-aid that gets caught on your leg. Ugh. Hey, a clump of hair if it's from someone that's not your hair color. It's gross. And part of the problem is, is that if we're really honest, we're sometimes scared of what we're gonna see if we put on goggles and look beneath the surface. And what holds us back is fear of what we'll find. And it's why we don't slow down to take a look at what's going on beneath the surface. You know, over the last day as I've been prepping this and, and, and going through this and praying through this, God reminded me again of how it's easy for me to slip back into some of these emotionally unhealthy patterns. I was convicted and reminded that my being with God has to, has to fuel my doing for him. As a pastor, it can be easy for me to lead Bible studies, to pray for other people, to do a whole host of good things. But if I'm not refilling that well of connection with God, I'm giving out of something that's empty and it's not going to bear the fruit that I'm hoping for. And I was challenged and, and reminded that I need to spend that time being with God and not just doing good things for him. And this week, as we, as we draw to a close, I want to encourage you with this practice. Take some time this week to slow down and process. Take some time this week to see if there are any of these 10 symptoms that we've talked about, any of these 10 markers that resonated with you. 
And if you want to get really bold today, ask someone in your life if there's any emotional blind spots or something from this list of 10 unhealthy habits that they may see in your life. Let it be someone who you trust, not just any random stranger on the street, but someone that you trust, ask them. The question that I want to leave us with this morning, church, is how much of your iceberg have you allowed Jesus access to? How much of your iceberg are, are you allowing him to bring transformation to? Are there still things deep beneath the surface that Jesus is not allowed access to in your life? Because emotional health and spiritual maturity can't be separated. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And God wants us to grow to be people who are spiritually and emotionally mature so that we may love him more fully and love others more fully as well. Now we know that this can be a lot to dig into for a few minutes on a Sunday morning. And that's why we've created a discussion and reflection guide to accompany this sermon series. In the guide, you'll find questions for reflection as well as a Bible study to accompany each week. And our encouragement for you is this week to find some time to talk through this material with someone else. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your connect group, maybe it's a few friends and you can get together. And if that, you don't have any of those options available, we've actually created two online groups. They're going to be available Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. where we're going to be talking through this material. And you can join us on Zoom to continue the conversation from this Sunday. You can find access to this discussion guide and these groups links on, on our website at callwoodchurch.com. It's just right in the top banner there. These topics are difficult and heavy, but they're all, always better when processed in community with others who are seeking to grow to look more like Jesus. Our hope, church, is that as we look beneath the surface and as we allow the Holy Spirit to access to these parts of our lives, that God would use the weeks ahead to transform us to be people who love God and love others more. We want to be people who grow and are transformed by the new life that Jesus has given us. And our hope and our desire is that we step more fully into taking off our old selves and putting on the new self that Christ has given to us. Is that fair enough, church? All right, let's just sit with it because I was pretty muted this morning. Let's pray as we've drawn to a close today. Father, thank you for your love for us. At times, Lord, it can be scary to look beneath the surface of our lives and see things that are nasty, see things that don't reflect you well. The anger the sinful patterns, how we've used money, how we've treated sexuality, a whole host of things that we want to hide and ignore in our lives. But Jesus, I pray that you would remind us that we don't need to bring these things to the light so that we are shamed or condemned, but we bring these things to the light so that we can experience the freedom that you have for us. And so, God, where there is an enemy who wants to speak words of fear, speak words saying, well, if you open that box up, you can't close it. I pray that, God, today you would encourage us and remind us that you are good, that you are compassionate and gracious, that you don't just do these things to wound us more, but you do these things in our lives to bring these things to the surface so that we may step into the life and the freedom that you have for us. God, this matters because there is a world watching and wondering if Jesus actually makes a difference in our lives. So myself included, Lord, help me, 
Help all of us, Lord, this week, if there are things in our, in our iceberg, things beneath the surface that, that need to be addressed, I pray that you would give us an openness to bring those things to the surface, to bring those things to light so that we may experience healing and transformation and that we may be people who look more like you, Jesus, this week. In your name, Lord, we pray all these things. Amen. Well, church, if you're, if you're new this morning to the whole Christian journey, this whole idea, and you want to talk more with one of our pastoral team about it, we would love to have a conversation with you about what following Jesus is all about. So you can text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113, and one of our pastors will be in touch with you this week. We'd love to talk with you a bit more about following Jesus is all about. Um, if you're brand new today this morning with us, we've got Pastor Josh in our Welcome Center at the back. He'd love to, to meet you, get, get to hear a little bit of your story. Uh, we love you, church, and have an amazing week as you go and grow in emotional maturity and spirituality. Amen.